Well, good morning. Hey, if you are a dad in here, we'd like for you to stand, please. Please stand. We want to honor you. <laughs> Praise God. We got some gifts for you. Please take those and enjoy them. We love you. We got some gifts, some gifts, some gifts. Yes. God bless you guys. And uh, we know that being a father isn't always easy, but you guys are my heroes. You're the real MVPs. <laughs> so let's honor our dads again, everybody. Thank you so much for being great. And um, if you're sitting next to a father, let's just lay your hand on him on his shoulder, and I'm going to pray. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much for uh, this man, God, and um, I ask that you bless him and, and touch him. Uh, continue to equip him with all that he needs um, to continue to be the parent that you've called him to be. Lord, remind him that you love him, and uh, he is your child, and you are for him, not against him. Uh, God, remind him that uh, he is not perfect, but that's why you give your grace. Your grace is a free gift of love and forgiveness. And so, God, I just pray that uh, every father would leave here today with a sense of purpose, um, knowing that they, they do make a difference in their children's lives. And really all we want from our dads is their presence and their love and their time. Uh, so, God, allow these fathers to be blessed in your presence as they depart this place. Uh, later on today. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. So good. All right, so uh, I got to, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get used to my surroundings. And so this is, this is, um, this is weird, but we're going to, we're going to make it work. We're here for nine or ten weeks, so we got to make it work. And I feel like we're going to pack this place out by the middle of August. So we can we can prepare some room for more people at Shady Grove Middle School. Today we start a brand new series entitled Summer Bliss. We're going to be studying through the book of Philippians. It's not really a book, it's a letter. Um, the old biblical word for letter is epistle. So we're going to study this epistle that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. This idea from the Spirit of God about a year ago, when we were going through our chosen series, we studied through the, the epistle uh, of, uh, to, the Ephesians, to the church of Ephesus. It's called the book of Ephesians in your Bible. And we went verse by verse by verse. And uh, they typically say when it comes to church attendance that most churches take what's called the summer slop as far as attendance. You know, people are out on vacation, they're traveling, they're so on and so forth. We did not experience the summer slump last year. We actually grew as a church. Uh, last year, we were here one Sunday, and it was only two sections. And so God is uh, really doing a work. Um, he's done a work since last summer. I think the reason that we grew was because we were growing spiritually. We just settled into the word of God and uh, verse by verse. And so last year during Chosen, God just hit me with this idea of summer bliss and uh, he, he pointed me to the book of Philippians. Philippians is the most joyous book that Paul wrote. I'll explain who Paul is here in a second. The most joyous book that Paul had ever written to any church that he started. 
And so, you know, bliss can be defined as perfect happiness or um, utter joy. Perfect happiness or utter joy. Uh, and, and when we think about the summer, we oftentimes in, in states like Maryland, because I'm from Florida, so I have summer. All, we had summer all year long. I got tired of summer all the time. But, um, you know, when we have cold and fall and, and spring, we look forward to the summer, right? We look forward to going to the beach and, 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 and hitting the sand and, and doing all that good stuff, changing our, our apparel so we can wear shorts and put away the sweaters and pull out the T-shirts, the tank tops, uh, sun's out, guns out. If you got guns, if you don't got guns, don't pull those guns out. They're embarrassing, so I choose to keep sleeves. I don't pull my guns out, but I've started going to the gym. I'm going to get some guns soon. Um, so at any rate, summer bliss, we, we, we conjure up these, the, these visions and these pictures of, of the sun and, and it, it, you know, it's just being a good old time over the course of the summer. And with that being said, I want to bring a message to you entitled Tapping Joy on the Shoulder. Tapping Joy on the Shoulder. Um, Paul started the church of Philippi around, I want to say, 50 A.D. It, it was on his second missionary journey. You can find this account in the book of Acts, chapter 16, and all the way, actually, throughout the rest of Acts, from 16 to the end of it. Um, Paul was once a terrorist who uh, murdered and arrested Christians. And he had an experience, a personal experience with Jesus that caused him to give his heart and his life to Christ. And so when he met Christ, Christ completely changed him. And he just fully dived into his faith. He said, you know, I thank you for your love and your forgiveness. Now I'm going to take the news, the good news about who you are, and I'm going to take it all across the world and tell people about it. As a matter of fact, Paul is the reason why we're all sitting in this room together today. Uh, yes, Jesus, yes, God, but God works through man oftentimes for his purposes to be revealed upon the earth. And so um, Paul does that. And uh, actually, Philippi, to give you a little history, it is the first church plant or the first church start in European history. So if you ever think of Europe and church, just know that it started in Philippi which at the time was a, a, a city in the province of Macedonia. And I'm going to give you the liberty to read your own Bible. Your Bible should have maps in it. If it doesn't, buy your Bible that has maps, and you'll be able to figure out current day where Philippi is right now. And Paul wrote this letter while he was under, and while he was in prison. He was under house arrest. And uh, Paul would not get out of prison uh, this time around. Paul was locked up, he was beaten, he was betrayed, but this time he was finally locked away for good. And they were bringing, bringing him up on charges, um, claiming that Jesus was God and Jesus was the Messiah. And in Rome at this time, this was not a good look. In a society that, that worshipped multiple gods, this was not a good thing. And the devil finally had his way, in a sense, with Paul's life. And so Paul is writing while under imprisonment, more specifically house arrest. During the day, he is free to roam, but at night, he's shackled to a guard. But what's interesting in the, in the epistle to the church back in Philippi 
is that Paul mentions the word joy or rejoice 16 times. So he's physically shackled, but he still has the capacity to rejoice in his situation. He's still experiencing gladness in his heart, and he expresses this to the church in Philippi. You do understand that there is a difference between happiness and joy. There is a difference, in fact. So you have some, some words here. You have happen and happiness. To define happen, we define it as an event has taken place. Happiness is a feeling of satisfaction or great pleasure because an event has taken place. Something happened, and I was happy. So I went to the beach. I had five days off. I ate what I wanted to eat. That made me happy. But on day five, you know, the first four days I was happy. Day five, I started to think about how my vacation was ending and how I had to return to work the next day. I'm no longer happy. Happiness. Um, happiness. A, a few things here as, as we get into it. We can understand that, number one, happiness is external. The source of happiness is external. So it happens outward, and it produces a feeling inward. I'm, I'm teaching mode all summer, so put on your studious caps, and let's take some notes. Let's lean into this. God is going to really fill you this summer. If your heart is in the posture to receive it, if you would just wake yourself up and lean into what God is trying to say to you, you can actually leave here free. So external, it happens outside and it moves in and it produces a feeling. Happiness is also circumstantial. So something happens, not just something happens, but what has happened, I prefer to happen. So it's the way I've always conjured it up and desired for it to be. It's the circumstance. It happened and I'm happy. Yet, happiness is also temporary. It wears off. The sad irony in today's society is, is that many of us are seeking happiness. And therefore, when we don't get happiness, be it in our relationships, at our job, in our financial situations, we don't know what to do. We end up de depressed and despondent and discouraged and, and out of whack. Because things aren't happening the way that I want them to happen, and I'm not happy. I can't wait to get off for Friday and Saturday, but I'm unhappy right after church, maybe even in church on Sunday. I can't even think about God or the Word of God because I'm thinking about how I don't want to go to work on Monday. So God can't minister to my heart because what I want to happen tomorrow has not happened. And, and I've allowed myself to exist well, frankly, if I can just drop this in on your spirit, God doesn't care about your happiness. God cares about your joy. He cares about your joy. And so happiness is this. Happiness is I was infatuated with him the first year or two years that we dated. And now that we're married, I'm thinking about divorce. Because he or she is not making me, finish it, happy. The, the, the happiness is worn off. 
the, the job that I prayed for and I wanted and I got six hours into my first day, I'm not happy and I want to quit. The, the new car I just got, two months into it, I got yogurt stains in the back seat, french fries under the bottom, you know, and I, whatever, just, I hate this car and I got to make payments on it, <laughs> but because we put ourselves in that place, seeking happiness, joy, joy, praise God for joy, joy is different. The word joy in the Greek is kara. I'm going to get to Philippians. I just want to help you right now. It's kara, C-H-A-R-A, kara. And it actually means to rejoice or to be glad. Kara. So anytime we're going to see Paul mention joy, in the moment while he's writing, he's rejoicing. And the chain shake. Anytime I think of you, I rejoice. I rejoice. He's, just, he's in prison. But he's glad. And so joy is this. A spiritual joy is this. A spiritual joy is a deep, write this down, it's a deep-seated confidence of God's favor on your life. It's a soul confidence of God's favor on your life. God's love, his goodness, his favor just settling on your life through Jesus Christ. Not through anything you've done, not through any good deed, not through setting up and tearing down a church, not through giving your finances, not through being a good father, a bad father, a good mother, a bad mother. It's just the simple fact that God loves you because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. And because of what Jesus did on the cross for you, his favor rests upon you. So it's given uncircumstantially. Therefore, one of the, uh, 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 oh, I don't want to move ahead too much. Let me get into this verse here. So how do we, so it causes one to be rejoicing. It's a gift from God. This is a foundational sermon. I'm actually going to be done in about 20 minutes. I may not even finish all my notes. But let me give you this. Romans 15, 13 says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. You see the source. Happiness is, joy is. So he said, fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. What is Paul telling the churches across Rome? Because this is, he's writing to the Rome, the churches across all of Rome. He's saying that joy is internal. then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how when you give your heart to Jesus, in a few minutes here, that you receive God on the inside. And so joy isn't something you have to search for. You just may be unaware or ignorant to the fact that you have joy. So what we got to find out is how to tap joy on the shoulder Whatever the circumstance is, you have joy. You, you have joy. 
you have the capacity to rejoice and be glad and be strong and stand up in the face of fear and stand up in the face of un unfavorable circumstances and praise God and move forward and move in strength and move in freedom and move in power. You have the capacity to rejoice. And nobody can, no one has to determine your joy. Your husband, your wife, the job, they don't have to determine how you rejoice and how glad you are. And you're given it by what Paul says, the Holy Spirit. So, so what we see about joy here is a few things about joy. Joy is internal. Joy is internal. It starts in because when you get saved, you receive God inside. Joy is number two, non-circumstantial. Or at least it can be. It can be, no matter what's going on around me, I can rejoice. I can rejoice. And so we ask, man, what, why Anthony Bourdain? Why? Why Kate Spade? Why Michael Jackson? Why? There's no joy. There's no spirit of God. There's outward success. There's the image of, of fun and busyness and, and happiness. But there's no joy. There's millions of dollars. There's a 401k. But there's no joy. Why? Joy is non-circumstantial. Joy can call somebody to, to, to be in the red in their bank account, $200, but still have the faith to believe that God is pulling them out of it. And to rejoice in the face of what they're seeing on the computer and their, and their account. Joy has the, the capacity to, for someone who's going through divorce or or, or whatever, to, to give them the strength to make it through that season. For someone who's single and you're waiting on your partner, joy in your singleness. Oh, you better rejoice when you're single. Just, here I go, like last Sunday, you better pray about who you're going to marry. Like, while you're single, please rejoice. Because when you get up, what do you want to eat? I don't know what I want to eat. What do you want to eat? Well, I really want some pancakes. Well, I don't want pancakes. I want cereal. If I was single, I could have pancakes. Can this is foundational. I'm in no rush. Joy is eternal. So it doesn't, it doesn't give out. It's, it's ever flowing. It didn't matter what was happening to or around Paul because he had a never-ending reservoir of joy overflowing from the inside out. So yes, I'm in chains. Yes, I'm in shackles. But the gospel is still going to move forward. And I'm going to write with joy. You know, the, the world is composed of 70% water. And only 1% of it is just about clean enough to drink. And so we have these in all of our buildings, in our homes, in our offices. 
We can just simply go to a sink or to a bathroom, turn a knob or flip a switch or whatever, and we have access to that 1%. It's what you call tap water. So, so, so Paul understood something so seemingly insignificant, something so easily missed could be accessed because it wasn't, it, he didn't have to access it outside of his shackles and, and the prison and outside of the chains that he was in, the physical bondage that he was in. He could just tap into it. And so now because we know we have joy, I want to give you a few ways to tap into joy as we dive into this uh, epistle to Philippi. Uh, verse 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. You ready? All right. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. Those are the leaders and the volunteer leaders and the directors of the church. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. So one of the way, one of the primary ways that you can tap into joy, here it is if you're taking notes, is you pray for others to prosper. When you're in a tough spot, even when you're in, when you're in a good spot, because we just said that joy is, you know, happiness is external, but even when you're in a tough spot or a good spot, always and make it a practice to pray for others to prosper. I was on my way to have um, lunch on uh, Thursday with Marcus Blair, y'all. Give it up for Marcus Blair. He's one of our leaders at the church. <laughs> Praise God. And, uh, I'm, you know, so I'm riding and riding down Sam Eag and 200, and uh, we need to get a sticker for 200 because we don't have a sticker, and that's too much information anyway. And um, I was on my phone, and you know how you want it to go vertical so you can operate it? But I, I had it horizontal, and I wanted to turn it vertical, but it was stuck horizontal, and I couldn't. It just jammed up on me. And this is an iPhone X. We just got the sucker like five weeks ago. So why is an iPhone X brand new jamming up on me? And so I just I finally got upset with it after about five minutes, and I turned it off. And the stupid radio came on. I'm like, all you do is you play the same songs, the same announcements all the time. So I just cut off the radio. And I, I started to think on my message. And the Spirit of God said, instead of thinking about what you're going to preach on Sunday, why don't you apply it? I said, well, I do got 20 minutes until I get to Marcus. So let's go for it. And I started with Marcus Blair. And, I, and I, I hit a lot of names in the church. You may have made it. I don't know. Don't forgive me if you didn't, but you may have made it. And I just started praying. I just said, well, God, thank you. I'm, I'm about to meet with, with a man of God and a son of God, a leader, a father. God, I pray for his health and I pray for his wife and his baby girls. God, I, I pray for their finances. God, I, I pray any addictions, any depression, Lord, you lift it up in the name of Jesus. Then I started, I went to Chris Giannis. I prayed for him, our creative director. I prayed for his wife. Lord, I pray that you bless him, that you would prosper them, uh, cause them to be free. God, I pray that their latter days would be greater than their former days, that 
what they're going to see tomorrow cannot be compared to, to what you're doing today, and you're going to continue to do greater things. Uh, I just went on down and prayed for Lance, and then I hit some of the superheroes and, and people I didn't know. Then we covered Gaithersburg and Montgomery County and the state of Maryland, all these 20 campuses we're going to launch by 2030, I think, or whenever the year is. I just prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and before you know it, I'm about to park. I'm about to park to go have a Five Guys burger with Marcus. But before I get out, there's this sense of just joy. I mean, I'm good. Life is good externally right now. We're good. Kyra and I, we're Teflon Dons. We got a force field. The devil can't touch us right now. So when you pray for others, now we've been in tough spots, but we're in a great season right now. But when you pray for others and you're in a great season, it, joy is the cherry on top. Joy, joy is just good. When you're praying for others, you get the attention off of you. When you pray for others, you're more like Jesus, the greatest person to ever live. When you pray for others, God causes your soul to prosper. Notice I said soul. Because you're tapping into something. And, and so the scripture says it like this. 1 Timothy 2, and he says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, all people. In the Greek, all means all. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings, President Donald Trump. Pray for him. Pray for his cabinet. Pray for him. Don't undermine. Don't dishonor. Honor the position, even if you don't agree with the person's character. Look, just because you act out of character towards me, I'm not going to be out of character towards you. They spat on Jesus. They gave him a crown of thorns. They put him up on the cross. And the very last thing, one of the last things he did before he said it is finished is he let someone else in heaven. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Just because you're out of character, I'm not going to be out of character. I love Jesus. I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with peace. I'm filled with his spirit. Just because you're out of character, I'm not going to be out of character. Y'all sleepy out there, son. I'm trying to just teach. And let's go Job 42.10. When Job prayed for his friends, watch this, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Pray for others. Philippians 1, 5 through 6 I'm about to close us out here in a few minutes. It says this here, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. So, so what is this partnership that Paul is talking about? Why so much joy to the church in Philippi? Because out of his three missionary journeys, the church in Philippi was the only church that would partner with him from a standpoint of relationship and financial support. 
So they supported his ministry financially as he traveled the world, just to give you some context there. And so let me, let me work this here, because I think this is the most important part, the next 12 minutes. No church existed in Philippi until Paul got there, which means that no one in Philippi was going to heaven when they died until Paul got there. So Paul introduces Jesus Christ to them, the only way to heaven. And he says this, pull my verse back up, please, uh, Philippians 5, 6. He says this here. He says, you have been my partners in the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Some churches just sort of stayed like in church mode. They came on Sundays, they prayed, they read the Bible. These individuals, they put in work. They put feet to their faith. So I got saved. My life has been changed. My family has been transformed. But Paul, you know what? We know that you have a calling to go across the world. And even though you're not going to be here physically, we want to be a part of it. How can we be a part of it? By giving financially. Because that was Paul's sole purpose. So they got saved, and they became a part of what God was doing in the earth. Okay? And so, but how does this work? It says, from, the, from when you first heard. I want to talk about the salvation of the soul. Part, point number two is, is this. God's best work is within. How do I tap into joy? I consistently remind myself on a daily basis that God does his best work within me. So Paul is called, 13% of your Bible written by Paul, but he's in a prison. Paul, you know, you read the book of Acts, he's raising people from the dead. He's casting out demons and he's healing the sick and Hundreds of thousands of people across, the, across Europe are getting saved, but he's in a prison. God's best work is within. Someone catch me today. Who, who I got? I'm looking for the three people that are. Please catch this. Please. please. Let me. Let me. I want to get this. that God gave me. Or can you receive this with the heart that God has given you to receive it by faith? Are we ready? All right, here we go. So number one is the salvation of the soul. I want to teach something here. We are spirit, soul, and body. You, you are three parts. You are spirit, soul, and body. It's called a trichotomy. God is try as well. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. So he made us in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit, when you read Genesis, it is the life-giving source. 
So when Paul, when, I'm sorry, when God made man, we were just clay. Then the Bible says he breathed his spirit, which is the Ruach, and man became a living soul. So that spirit is the life-giving source. The soul is who you are, and it lives on for eternity. Your soul is the most essential part about who you are. And then it's the outer layer, which is called the flesh. Paul teaches that your flesh is enmity unto God. So your flesh is an enemy to the will of God and the blessing of God, the purpose of God on your life. Your flesh wants nothing to do with the spirit of God. So when you get saved, you receive. Um, I'm sorry, let me, let, me, let, me, let me back up a little bit. So when you don't have Christ, the Bible says that you are dead in your sins. So you're alive, but you're dead. And if you die in that state without Jesus, hell is your eternal place. But because of the love of God, he sent Christ to down across for you and for the salvation of your soul. Colossians 2 verse 13 says this. It says you were dead because of your sins. Because you're, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So I'm breathing, but I'm dead spiritually. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. So you became alive when you placed your faith in Jesus. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus, you are dead. It's the word of God. I'm the messenger. But when you give your faith to Jesus, Ephesians 1.13 says this, and now you Gentiles, these are non-Jews, because Paul was called to the Gentiles, us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, there it is, he identified you as his own by giving you his Holy Spirit. So the, the Ruach, the, the life-giving source, is different than the Holy Spirit. All right, the Holy Spirit is God in you. And he has to work through layers. So it's, it's the life-giving spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in, in that place. Then it's the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the Holy Spirit has to work through your soul. The will of God, the ways of God, the thinking of God. And if it, can, if it can get your soul to come into agreement with the will of God, the ways of God, the word of God, it plays out through your body. Hear me this morning. Hear me this morning. So I'm locked up in a prison, but I rejoice. <laughs> So we go from salvation of the soul to wholeness. This is, this is God's main goal for you, main goal. God's main deal for you is wholeness of the soul. It's, God will take away everything if it means the house, the car. The, God will take away everything if it means getting your soul whole. 
So wholeness of the soul, man, good timing. You can become whole by the power and the help of his spirit. And and this is the truth here. This is a theological truth. Check this. Because a lot of people, when I gave my life to Jesus, I'm three months in, and some things have changed, but not a lot of things. So what's going on? Well, this is the truth. You're saved, but you're still being saved. You are saved spiritually, but you're in a process of being made whole because it's a battle with the flesh, okay? Now, let me bring this in, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 says this, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Make you holy in every way. That word means sanctify you. May the God of peace give you the power. Someone is leaning in and taking notes, and you're feeding my faith back there, girl. May he make you holy. What does that mean? May you become more like Jesus in every way. In every way. You're becoming whole. And he says this here. Your spirit, your soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. God will make this happen. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this. May the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul says that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion on the day that Christ returns. This is what God wants to do. He wants love, joy, and peace to have its way in your life. Kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law or no limit against these things. So this is how this works. I struggle with patience. Great. The Spirit of God can help you with that. I struggle with self-control. Great. The Spirit of God can help you with that. I struggle with forgiveness. Great. By the power of the Spirit of God, you can forgive. It's wholeness. And so as the church in Philippi were saved, they allowed this process, this inner working of wholeness to have its way in their lives. And because of it, they were able to step into their God-given purpose of helping Paul spread the gospel. Your wholeness is directly attached to the prosperity of your purpose upon the earth. Your wholeness. What good is success without wholeness? What good is a family without wholeness? Your wholeness. And the way that you tap into joy is every day. Every 
every, every day reminding yourself, God is doing a work within me. The reason I'm in this situation is because God is working patience. He's working love. He's working kindness. He's working self-control. He's working peace. He's working joy. The reason I'm in this place is because God is doing a work of wholeness on the inside of me. Things will come and go. People will come and go. Situations will come and go. The seasons will change. But God's work within me is not changing. I am prospering. I am growing. I am becoming whole. My dad may have struggled with this, but I am not going to struggle with this. My mom may have struggled with this, but I am not going to struggle with this. I am being made whole, 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 whole. He may have left my life, but I have peace, and God has a plan, and God has someone else. Whole, whole. I may have gotten fired or laid off. But God has a plan. I'm going to rejoice because I am whole. There's nothing in me that's missing. I am whole. It's on the inside. It is internal. It is eternal. It is non-circumstantial. I am being made whole. I'm being made whole. I'm being made whole. I don't need a doctor to tell me. I don't need medication. I am free because of what Jesus did on the cross. I am being made whole. I don't need emotional intelligence. I got the word of God. I got truth. I am whole. The spirit is working wholeness in me. Peace, love, joy, gentleness, kindness, self-control. I am whole. I am whole. I am whole. I am whole. Nothing lacking. Nothing missing. Every blessing. The spirit of God. I am whole. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. The Spirit of God, I am whole. I am whole. I am whole. I am whole. Paul was in shackles, but he said, I am whole. I am whole. Nothing lacking. So anytime I think of you, I rejoice. And even though I'm in shackles, God's work in me is going to be complete. And I believe the same for you. Just a foundational message today. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. I am whole. I am whole. I am blessed. I am favored. Woo! I am whole. I am blessed. I am favored. I am loved. I am secure. I am approved. I am affirmed. I am whole. Woo! I am whole. Woo! Oh, Jesus, I am whole. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you this morning. You are faithful. You are good. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your strength. God, I pray that you would continue to make us whole. We may be saved. We may be heading to heaven. But as long as we're upon this earth, you're doing a work on the inside of us. You're making us whole. Praise God. I want to extend this salvation to you. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
That's the first step in wholeness is receiving him and receiving his spirit. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, church, I pray that you would, I hope that you would be interceding and praying right now. We're not going to embarrass you, but on the count of three, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, it's available this morning. Hallelujah. On the count of three, we're just going to pray with you. One, you shoot your hand up. Two, three. If that be you, you shoot that hand up today for the first time or if you're coming back to Christ. First time salvation. God bless you. You can put that hand down. God bless you. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Someone is going to heaven. Someone is about to be made whole. And we praise God for him. Hey, let's pray, church. Father God, we love you. Forgive me for my sins. Fill me with your spirit. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that Jesus was sent to die on a cross for my sin. Lord, thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. Fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church.